Before you're seated, uh, the children would be dismissed, children from six uh, years old, or from kindergarten to sixth grade, get that out. And if you have a Bible, if you would open to Psalm 139, Psalms is in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 139, I just want to read the first six verses, we're going to look at a number of different um, uh, passages today, but a anchor passage will be Psalm 139. And um, if you don't have a Bible, just listen as I would read God's word aloud. We stand in honor of his word. We hold his word in high regard. This is David, King David writing Psalm 139 verses one through six. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. May the Lord add his blessing this morning to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. So we are in this series, we have been uh, for a couple months now and will be still for a number, a couple more months on lifting up our low view of God. We've been using the book, um, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer that was written about 60 years ago now um, as kind of a guide on which we're following the structure of it with some uh, directive from that and then uh, we're looking at these topics together but it's talking about the attributes of God to help us understand more and more who he is and the whole focus is that oftentimes we have a lower view of God. We see him as we see ourselves or as we understand in human terms uh, the way God would be. But we're looking in the scriptures to see who God is and he is higher than us. He is the infinite one, we're the finite one. And so rather than us trying to bring him down on our level so we understand him, we're seeking to understand who he is in a high and lifted up way that's bigger than we can ever begin to get our, our minds around. And so as we get a, a bigger view of God, it lifts our wonder, it lifts our awe, it lifts our worship, it gives us a greater a sense of just we, we want to know this God and we, we come to places of humility as we understand him more and more. And so today we're going to look at the topic of the divine omniscience as Tozer says. Uh, divine simply meaning God and omniscience meaning all knowing, knowing all things. So the story was told of children who were lined up in the cafeteria of a Catholic elementary school. And they're in the Catholic elementary school cafeteria getting ready for lunch. And at the head of one of the tables is a large pile of apples. And with that large pile of apples, there was a note that had been added there by one of the nuns. And the note said this, take only one and one in all capital letters, God is watching. Further along the lunch line, at the other end of the table, there's a large pile of chocolate chip cookies to which one of the children had, noted, had put a note next to it and that note that she had put next to that pile of chocolate chip cookies was, take all you want, God is watching the apples. 
a clever young, young lady. This idea of omniscience, knowing all things from a child's point of view, from a human being's point of view, is really impossible. Because you cannot know and be aware of all things at all times. To watch the pile of apples means that you cannot at the same time watch the pile of chocolate chip cookies, which would, in our understanding, open up the ability to say, do whatever you want over here because God's watching over here. But that's a low view of God. That's a, a human view of God. A high view of God, the divine omniscience, is that God knows all things at all times. We're limited, but he knows all things at all times. This is divine omniscience. God knows, which is that idea of shints, and it's not science, it's not omniscience, it's omniscience. Omni means all, so all knowledge. And so a high view of God acknowledges that he knows all things and then begins to live according to it. So this morning, there are sermon notes in your bulletin. We're going to uh, look through Psalm 139, portions of it, and some other scriptures to get an idea and to understand this idea of omniscience and then how we are to respond as a result. So let's begin here. Understand this understanding. Understand that God knows all things. Understand God knows all things. It means at least three different things that we can see from the scriptures this morning and that Tozer brings out as well. The first is this. God knows without being taught. God knows without being taught. Isaiah chapter 40 verses 13 through 14 say this. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor, whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who is it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? We could say that there are a number of rhetorical questions. You, you may be able to say that it breaks down to about six rhetorical questions. And the answer to all of them is what? No one. <laughs> who has understood the mind of the Lord? No one. Or instructed him as his counselor? No one. Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? No one. Who taught God the right way? No one. Who is it that taught him knowledge? No one. Or showed him the path of understanding? No one. God is omniscient. He knows all things, and he knows all things without ever having learned them or having been taught them. Tozer says it this way. He says, to say that God is omniscient is to say that he possesses perfect knowledge and therefore has no need to learn. But it is more. It is to say that God has never learned and cannot learn. A little later in this discussion on this, Tozer goes on and says, could God at any time or in any manner receive into his mind knowledge that he did not possess and had not possessed from eternity, he would be imperfect 
and less than himself. To think of a God who must sit at the feet of a teacher, even though that teacher be an archangel or a seraph, is to think of someone other than the most high God, maker of heaven and earth. Tozer is saying, God knows without ever learning or without ever being taught. That's a big God, that he knows everything already. But it's important for us to understand that, which, as a side, makes this even more amazing. Jesus, fully God, becoming fully man, the end of Luke chapter two says this, Jesus grew in wisdom, knowledge, and in stature physically and in favor with God and men. Think about this. The God of the universe, the one Jesus, by whom and for whom all things were created and through whom all things are held together, fully God, Jesus humbled himself, became a man, a human being like you and I, to the point where he had to learn. (laughs) He went and studied the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, like every Jewish boy and girl. He learned a trade. He learned. He was always learning. (laughs) Think of that. Think of the humility. The God who knows everything and has never been taught, humbling himself and becoming like us to learn and to be taught how to live on this earth. It's an amazing thought. It's an amazing thought. But God, in his essence and in his being, he knows without being taught. Secondly, understanding that God knows all things also brings us to the understanding that he knows himself perfectly. He knows himself perfectly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, the apostle Paul says this. He says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. This is after he says that uh, the wisdom of God has been revealed and um, have, that who has known the mind of God? No one, except now God has revealed it. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What, what is Paul saying? He's saying that it's our spirit within us that knows our thoughts, that knows what we are thinking. You don't know what I'm thinking, but my spirit within me knows what I'm thinking. And there are even times when I don't understand my thoughts. How many are you with, with me? And we'll look at this in a minute. How many wonder, where'd that come from? Why am I thinking? So there are even things about ourselves they were like, I don't understand why I thought that. I don't understand why I did that. We'll, we'll get to that as an application a little bit later. So not even human beings do we understand ourselves. But God perfectly knows himself. He knows everything about himself. He knows why he does everything. He knows what, what he does and why he does. He knows all of his thoughts. The Holy Spirit searches all the deep thoughts, all the deep meditations of God. Everything of God, he knows of himself. Makes, us, makes him unlike us. He knows himself perfectly. And third, he knows 
everything about everyone. He knows everything about everyone. We, we read Psalm 139, one to six, as we, uh, before we sat down after we sang. David is the writer, and he says again in Psalm 139, oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You've searched me, you know all about me. And then he goes on for a list of all the things that God knows about him. And not only are they things that God knows about David, but they're things that God knows about every single person on the face of this earth, all at the same time. All who have already walked this earth and have gone from this life on, and all who will ever before history is over. Everyone, he knows every thought and he knows everyone and everything in all of human history right here. He knows these things. You know, verse two, when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. And what does that mean? Like, you're thinking way out there, and so God thinks thoughts from a far off distance? No. What he means is, and what the language is, is before I ever have the thought come to me, God already knows my thought. Before I ever think a thought, before it ever even comes, the thoughts that I will have later today, he already knows the thoughts I will have later today. And he already knows the thoughts that you will have. And the seven billion people on the face of the earth, he knows the thoughts not only that you're having right now, but that you will have later today and tomorrow and on and on and on. That's a crazy thought. He knows it all. Perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern, verse three, my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. And the original language has the sense of, you know why I do what I do. You know my habits, you know my patterns. You, even if you didn't know everything, you could predict everything I do because you are familiar with all my ways. You know everything, you know me that well. Before a word is on my tongue, verse four, you know it completely, like the thoughts. Before the words are even on my tongue, you know what I'm gonna say. Verse seven, you hem me in, behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge, it's too wonderful. It's too lofty for me to attain. If this kind of makes your head hurt a little bit, that should be, the re that should be our reaction. How is this possible? This is God. If you skip down to verses 13 to 16, it talks about how how. He knows us even from our womb, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame, it was not hidden from you. You knew it when I was made in the secret place. In verse 16, when, or end of 15, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body, all my days are ordained for me. They were written in your book before one of them came to be. Talk about knowledge that God has of you and of me, of everyone. He knows everything about everyone. Jesus said that the Father knows how many hairs are on your head. And I would make the joke that mine are getting less and less 
as others of you may as well. He knows. And he doesn't just know that about me. He knows that about every single person on the face of the earth. That's some wild thought, isn't it? (laughs) That God knows all things. That he knows all of it without anybody teaching him. He doesn't have to go get a reference book. He doesn't have to go onto Google and ask a question because he already knows it all. He knows himself and he knows everything about everyone. There were two friends who were having a discussion and in this discussion, one man just kept giving answer after answer after answer and his, his breadth of knowledge was like Jeopardy-esque. He, he just knew so much and his friend was just amazed. He said, wow, you know everything about everything. You're omniscient. To which the friend said, what does that mean? Not even the guy who knows everything understands everything. Only God, only God. Greater than the most knowledgeable human being, God, God is fully omniscient. So what do we do with all this? We could just have a lesson on God's omniscience and know that he knows everything and say that's kind of cool. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we respond to God's knowledge? Here are at least three ways. The first is to marvel at it. To marvel at God's knowledge. This is what David does after recounting these things. Verses 17 and 18 of Psalm 139. He says, how precious for me are your thoughts, O God. How vast, how vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I'm awake, I'm still with you, and my thoughts of you are still with me. David's response is, how wonderful are these thoughts? How vast. He just stands in awe for a moment. He says, even when I go to bed, and I wake up, the thoughts are still there because you're always thinking of me. You're always present. You're always there. You always know. You don't stop knowing ever. And so he just takes a moment to marvel. He takes a moment just to to stand in awe, to stand in wonder, to stand in worship, and to say, God, it's too lofty for me. It's too much for me to get my mind around. I just have to stand in awe. I just have to marvel at who you are. You are that amazing. You are that wonderful. Your omniscience, your all-knowing just blows my mind. It should bring us to a place where we just go, God, I worship you. I stand in awe of you. I stand in wonder at who you are. Also brings us to a second response, and that is to believe that he knows you and still loves you. Okay, so this is where it starts to get a little bit like, some of you are probably thinking this already. So we don't want to talk about it. For, for in, the, in the hard seasons of life, the fact that he knows all things and he cares about all things 
brings deep comfort to us, doesn't it? When, when, when we're in the times of chaos and we feel like we're out on the boat and, and you know, the seas are raging and we're like, oh no, am I ever gonna get out of this? To know that God knows us and he's, he sees us and, and he knows how this is going to, to go. And, and as was read this morning, he knows about the sparrows and clothes them and how much more valuable are we than the sparrows who can just be bought for a couple pennies and yet God takes care of them and the flowers of the field he takes care of them and how much more worthwhile are you than the sparrows and the flowers of the field so if God takes care of them how much more is he going to take care of you so that all-knowing in those times when it seems like life is topsy-turvy and out of control it brings great comfort to us so hold on to that so if you're here today and things are like oh Hold on to the fact that God knows you. He sees you. You're not lost. He knows exactly where you are. He knows your thoughts. He, know, he, has, he knows all things. He knows where things are going with you. Find comfort in him. Stand still. Trust. Believe. But there's another side, and that can also be the fact that he knows all these things can make us go a little bit like, yeah can make us a little uncomfortable. Tozer says that this can strike fear in the hearts of humanity. To know that God knows all about you. Psalm 139, verses 11 to 12. It says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me? Well, even the darkness, it will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. What's David saying? He's saying even where we think we can hide, even where we think we can stuff the secrets down, even where no one else knows what we're thinking or even what we've done, there is an all-knowing God who knows it all. That strikes a little bit of fear, or it can strike a little fear in our hearts, doesn't it? To know that those things, that if someone else knew that you were thinking that or that you did that or that you were contemplating doing that. If someone else knew that and everything that you've tried to, to conceal and to bury got put out there for everyone and you would go, oh, I am mortified. I wouldn't want anybody to know that. God knows it. God knows it all. There is nothing that you and I can conceal. There is nothing that we can hide that he doesn't know about. So what do we do with that? What do we do with all that hidden knowledge? And what do we do with all those things, as I mentioned that we do and we're like, I have no idea why I did that. I have no idea why I thought that. 
I have no idea why that thought of lack of self, self-worth or, or why that negative self-talk about myself, I have no idea why I'm so fearful in circumstances. I don't know why I find myself so insecure. I don't, I don't know these things. There's the things that we intentionally might try to hide and there's the things that are just in there and we're like, I don't know what to do with it. I, it's buried. It's part of me and I just can't figure it out. There are those things that we do and we want to keep hidden and those things that we're like, I don't want to do that anymore, but I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know where it comes from. Here's the good news. God knows you. He knows all about you and he still loves you. You can keep a finger in Psalm 139 because we're going to come back there in a, in a moment for one more application and, and turn to John chapter 3. Verses 16 to 18. A couple weeks ago, I, I spoke at the Arabic church and I talked about, about this idea. John 3.16, it's one of those verses that's very, very familiar. It used to be on signs every time a football game, somebody would kick an extra point and the sign would go up, John 3.16. It says this, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, who is Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's good news. So God loves you. He loves you so much, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into this world, that anyone who believes in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. But how do we know that God not only loves us, but in the midst of knowing us, still loves us? Verse 17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of his one and only son. What's Jesus saying? He's saying this, every single one of us, because of sin in this world and sin in our lives, we already before God, our standing is condemned. And so God did not send Jesus into the world to point the finger and to condemn you. Why? Because that's already our standing. God sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but he sent Jesus to save the world. He sent Jesus not to come into your life and to bring you up and to say, hey, everybody, I'm the all-knowing one. You want to see what Mark did? Do you want to see what Mark thought yesterday? Do you want to see how he's so insecure and why? And let's all look at Mark. <laughs> let's, sh- let's shine a, mar- a light on Mark and let's see everyone No. He didn't even come and do that personally. What he did was this. He came not to condemn us, but he came to save us. So he loves you so much in the midst of everything that he knows about you, he's not afraid of everything that you have stuck down. He's not afraid of all the things that you may say, I don't know why I do that. He's not afraid of it. He loves you and he knows you and he's coming to you. 
See, instead of it bringing fear to us and guilt to us and shame to us, it should bring encouragement to us that God knows all about you and yet he sent Jesus not to condemn you, but to save you. Are you tracking with me on that? Yeah, no? Because I believe this is one of those issues that can hold us down. Because what it does is it holds us in a place of guilt, it holds us in a place of shame. And it keeps us in a place where we say, oh God, I don't want to come near you because I know that you know all about this. And so instead of running to the one who can help us, who can save us, we run away from him. And so we run. And we run to him. And so what do we do with all of this? What's our last response? Our last response is this. To receive revelation from his knowledge of you. Receive revelation from his knowledge of you. If you go back to Psalm 139, and this is where we end. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. David, at the end of all of this, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The reason that we receive this revelation is so that we would be led in the way everlasting. This way everlasting is both everlasting or eternal life with God in heaven. But it is also referring, when David talks about it, it's also referring to the way everlasting, the way of life in which it leads to blessing here on this earth. It's not about just search me, try me, see if there's any of these anxious thoughts in these wicked ways so I can get to heaven one day. That's not all of it. It's so that as I walk on this earth, as I live day by day, I can walk more and more in the ways that give life, in the ways that give blessing, in the ways that give peace, in the ways that allow me to live free from guilt and shame of getting out of the things that I might hide and bring them into the light so I might find freedom from them. We receive revelation from his knowledge of us so that we might live in the way everlasting. This is where blessing and this is where life are found for eternity and in this life. And so based on verse one, which he said, you have searched me and you know me, David asked the omniscient God to do a couple things. He asked him to test his thoughts and his feelings. God, would you know all my thoughts? Would you know all my feelings? That's test my heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart my heart. Know the things that I have within me. Know the things that are motivating me. Know the things that are then testing and knowing my anxious thoughts. Knowing the things that that cause me fear, that cause me anxiety, that cause me struggle, that that keep me up at night. Search me, O God, and know my heart and know my anxious thoughts. And then, Lord, see if there is any offensive way in me. 
literally ways that lead to grief. The original language that David was saying, these are ways that lead to grief. Ways that lead to grief in my life. Because when I commit sin against God, it doesn't bring happiness to me. It brings grief. It brings hardship. It brings heartache. And see if there is any ways that lead to grief that have caused grief in others as well, that have caused hardship, that have, that have injured others because of my ways as well. And so God knows all. He knows all things. Therefore, we ask him, Lord, would you reveal what you know about me to me in these areas that I need change in? Dr. Rob Reamer, who talks about soul care a lot, says this. He says, theology 101 is this. God is smart. Would you agree? God is smart. And God knows things. This is his omniscience. And he loves to tell us when we ask. God's smart. God knows things, all things. And he loves to tell us when we ask. And so what David is asking is, Lord, Lord, I come before you. You've searched me. You've tried me. You know everything about me. You know my thoughts. You know my feelings. You know all those things that hinder me. You know the ways that would either cause me grief or cause others grief that are offensive to you and to others. Lord, would you show me what you see about me? Would you show me what you know and what you see about me? And this is so important that we understand, letter B, that in that knowing, that he loves us. Because I don't know about you, when somebody knows something that I don't like, that does, that's not good about me, I usually don't want to go to them and be like, hey, what do you see in my life? <laughs> I, I mean, let, let, let's be honest. How many of you are looking for people who know you well and have even in the last 30 days, gone to somebody who knows you really well and may know all the areas of your life and say, hey, what do you see that could be helpful for correcting some wrongs in my life? How many of us have gone to another human being in that way? All right, I see zero hands. One, good, good. But that just says this, that's not the norm. Why? Because no one wants to be like, Search me and try me. Test me, see. And yet, if we don't, how willing are we to run close to God? I would say we're probably not that willing to run that close to God because we know he knows and I don't know if I want to get that close to the God who knows everything. This is not a feel-good message right now, is it? But it is the most hopeful message that we could ever hear because God's not after you to then point the finger and pound you down. 
he says, come to me. I sent my son not to condemn you. I sent my son to bring salvation to you. Not just salvation to get you to heaven one day, but salvation to free you from all those things that are hidden in the darkness that weigh you down, that burden you, that cause you to run away from me and away from others instead of running to me and living in authentic relationships with other people. Because that's another piece too. If we can't live like that with God, we're definitely not gonna live like that with others. And we were made for relationship with God and relationship with people and where there is just nothing that's hidden. And so, we run to the God who says, I know all things about you. And I love you. Let me show you. Last week, we, if you were here, we looked at like the, the Rubik's Cube kind of thing. Let me tell you, because God has revealed things in my life, even the secret stuff, and he continues to reveal the secret stuff when I'm willing to ask. But I will tell you this, he has never done it in a way that I felt like, oh, woe is me. I am a horrible, worthless person. I have never felt more loved. When the God of creation who knows all things about me reveals things about me and then brings healing in those areas, brings deliverance in those areas, brings freedom in the areas that bind me up, and I can walk and receive the love of the Father in a way that I had not before, there is nothing that will let you know that you are loved more than when the God of the universe, when your Abba Father comes in love and reveals things that he knows when to reveal and what to reveal to bring greater freedom to your life. Because when you get greater freedom, you get more of his presence. And when you get more of his presence, that's where blessing is. And so it's all good. It's all good. You know, at the beginning, I wasn't planning to share about just the idea of, God, of trusting God in the battles. But I believe that is so necessary for us because some of these things may feel like battles. And our trust in the character and the goodness of God is so important. He is good. You can trust him. He loves you with an everlasting love. And if you ever doubt his love for you, just look to the cross. Because while we were yet sinners, God sent Jesus, his perfect son, to die for us. If you ever doubt the love of God and the trustworthiness of God and the goodness of God, just look to the cross because he's proven his love for you.
he's proven that we can come to him and bring the things in the darkness out. We can trust him in it. So the worship team's gonna come and lead us in a closing song. And I just have the sense that the Holy Spirit is way better at speaking to those things in our lives than I am. I, I, I guarantee you, he's better at it than I am. And so we just wanna give him space to do that. These places that we call the altar is just a place to come and meet with God. Just a place to be able to say, I come and I offer myself. I offer all that I have and all that I am, I offer it to you. And so if you would wanna come and just spend some time there with him, this is open. If you would want prayer, just let us know and we can pray with you. You can just pray by yourself. But as the worship team will come, I just wanna pray a blessing over you and welcome the Spirit's ministry in these moments. So Father, we do marvel at the fact that you know us. You know everything. You have never been taught and you never will be. You know all things. Father, we marvel at that. We, we stand in awe. We worship you as the all-knowing God, as the omniscient God. And we thank you. And we praise you for your great love and for your great mercy and for your great grace that has sent your son Jesus not to condemn the world because we already stand in that place but to save the world. And so Father, even if it's for the first time of coming to you, Jesus, we say, Jesus, you are savior of the world, would you be my savior? And God, we recognize too that we are always in the process of being saved. And so there are continual things that you, our eternal destination is settled. Heaven is our home. But there are things that we need to be saved from. And so, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Welcome you to search us, to know our hearts, to see if there be any anxious thoughts, to see if there are any offensive ways. Not because you're trying to figure it out, you already know, but so that you might reveal it to us. But God, I pray your love to settle over each person. For Jesus, you came because you love. You came to set us free. So Holy Spirit, be free. Come. As we worship, come to do that work. In Jesus' name, amen.